Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. In this episode of Brilliant Thoughts, we've got none other than Glenn Sanford, founder of eXp Realty and the brand new owner of Success Magazine. This is why I'm here with you. Of course, he brought me in to start this podcast, Brilliant Thoughts. He's the current CEO of eXp World Holdings, Inc. and Chief Strategy Officer of Verbella. Google that great company. Now, His background is in real estate, also had a little bit of a stint at AOL. You remember America Online, that was a good one. But what got him to where he is now was a creation of this online real estate company called eXp, and recently Forbes named him as one of their new billionaires. So congratulations to him. EXP is growing rapidly. Success Magazine is on another level. Thanks to him. This one is going to be super fun. Get ready for Glenn Sanford. Welcome to Brilliant Thoughts, a Success Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Tristan O'Malley. And today I've got a special guest, Glenn Sanford from EXP and Success Magazine. So double the treat, Glenn. Welcome, buddy. How are you? Excellent, Tristan. Great to see you again. Great to hear your voice. Nice to see you too, my friend. You just came back from Cabo. Yeah, you know, we, we, uh, we're we just trying to, you know, paint a picture of, you know, see what everybody's missing in the, uh, in the different industries. So, you know, anyway, we talked a little bit about that before the show, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're living the dream. Master of FOMO, my friend. Master <laughs> of, of fear of missing out. All right. Well, look, this podcast is is really revolving around the relationships and the people that have helped successful people get to where they are. And so I wanted to start off by just asking a simple question. Let's talk about the relationships that have helped you get here. Which ones would you say have been the most impactful for you and why? Well, I mean, uh, for me, probably growing up was probably one of the big ones. Um, you know, when I was uh, when I was uh, well, when I was born, not that I judged it one way or the other, but you know, when I, I was a young child, we were living in a single wide manufactured home, literally backing up to railroad tracks in northern Alberta, and and we um, we we actually took our home to to Abbotsford, British Columbia. We replaced it in a in a trailer park there. My dad was a bit of uh, an entrepreneur, and uh, he and my uncle you know, scraped together the only eight thousand dollars that they had between each other in 1971, and then literally uh, parlayed that into buying an uh, interest in a cereal manufacturing company that they grew that they eventually sold to Kellogg's in 1978. And so we went from a you know, single wide manufactured home to. Uh, at the time when we what when we sold, my dad and my uncle sold. Um, they, you know, we had you know a lot of the trappings of success. You know, a lot of free time, a lot of stuff that we could do. And and I just noticed as a kid that there was a lot of people who didn't have didn't have that same path. You know, and so I, my dad was you know Dell Carnegie instructor. He was a minister. Um, you know, I was. Uh, 
I, I kind of watched a lot of stuff that he did. We moved to Oklahoma. Unfortunately, he lost everything in in the oil crash in 1980. But I always, you know, believe personally from that experience that it was riskier to take a job than it was to start a business. And so that really was very formative for me. And then, you know, having conversations with other, you know, key leaders, business executives, et cetera. Um, you know, one of the other people, there were two, three people that really made the biggest impact. My dad, a gentleman named Herman Gralick, who I worked for when I was 21, I was a stockbroker and he was my roommate. He gave me actually my, my work ethic uh, over a course of a six month period of time. I basically went to a drill sergeant or a drill camp or a basic training for actually getting work done with him. And he was uh, his, you know, his, his kids were doctors, lawyers. He was highly talented and I was a slacker at graduate high school with a 192. And, uh, and literally over the course of about six months, I became somebody that when I went back to university, I actually was setting the dean's honor roll and a bunch of other stuff because I would, the guy just, you know, fear of God in me if I didn't, you know, make good things happen. And the third person probably was a gentleman named Jerry Salberg. I think um, Herman and, and Jerry now, I, I believe, both passed. But uh, Jerry had run uh, a large part of the Kerry uh, Packer organization, the Australian billionaire in the 90s. And, and so I got to learn from him. And he was on, on a couple of the boards of companies that I started over the years. And, and he was, you know, very, you know, formative and just thoughts about how do businesses work. So those are like three people that I would say on the business side, especially uh, really impacted, you know, who I was, the way I make decisions, the way I think about things. And, and, and certainly I'm a self-study guy, too. But th those were those three big people in terms of just figuring out what goes on in life. I love that, man. So. Your dad, he set a, an amazing example of what the possibilities are. So I love that. And then Herman, I think systems and processes. What would you say? I, I would say uh, pure grit. I mean, the, the, you know, the guy was uh, literally, so I was studying for my stockbroker exam. Herman and I were roommates he, in Las Vegas because he ran the branch office for a brokerage firm that my dad had some dealings with. And, and so he's, my dad said, Hey, you know, why don't you become a stockbroker and Herman, Herman can help you do that. And I was like, okay, I'm not really doing anything else that exciting. So, uh, but when I was studying for the exam, I was doing practice exams. And, uh, uh, if I missed a question, uh, and he, he uh, Herman would, uh, go and review the, the answers the next morning at five, five thirty in the morning, I'd hear a bellowing voice come across the apartments going, Sanford, oh, the you can fill in the blank. Did you miss that question? And like literally, that's how I woke up like, like <laughs> multiple. And literally, it shocked my system in such a way that I never Ooh. wanted to be shocked awake that way again. And so I literally became like um, like a, a monster at figuring out how to actually study and, and, and get things right the first time. Glenn, do we all need a Herman in our lives at some point? <laughs> You know, I think it's it's not a bad idea, really. I think there's a lot of people who haven't developed a work ethic that have, you know, a lot of internal talents, and uh, but they don't have the work ethic to go along with it. So I, I would absolutely say that, you know, if you can find somebody who can really push you, and you don't, it doesn't have to be, a, you have to be pushed for very long, but, you know, so mine was six months, but that six months literally changed the trajectory of my life. Mm, I like that. All right, so just on on that part, 
Would you say that with with the relationships that you've created over over the years, would you say that the people these people help strengthen your strengths or do they help you focus on things maybe weaknesses and strengthen those? What have you seen like with Herman? Give me an example of what happened there with you. Yeah, well, I didn't have very many strengths at that time to work on. So, I mean, I was a personable guy. I, I was I was good with computers. I'd been a computer guy since I was like 12 years old, and I, I enjoyed technology. I dabbled in, in, in a little bit of sales and marketing stuff, but, you know, really it hadn't really stuck at any, any major level at that point. Um, so, you know, I think there's, you know, is figuring out, you know, where, who's going to bring out the strengths. So, you know, and when you don't know what your strengths are, you're going to have to go all in in a few areas that you think you have possibility. Like I actually knew I wanted to be a salesperson. Um, I even before I was 21, I'd read Zig Ziglar's, you know, Secrets of Closing the Sale and Tom Hopkins, How to Master the Art of Selling and Og Mandino's books. And, you know, so many of the books that, you know, were formative for people who wanted who eventually became successful. So just filling my mind with, you know, good positive info. But mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I had somebody who really pushed me to use those uh, at a high level that it finally came out. So it really was, I sort of put the information in, but he really pulled it out in terms of just getting me focused and actually making things happen. I love that, man. So look, how do we find, how do we place ourselves in these these situations, opportunities with the right people to push us like that, to pull us like that. Cause some people get stuck and they're like, mm. yeah, no, for sure. You know, I, I just, you know, I've got a chance here recently, as you know, to get to know, um, a, a Grant, uh, and Elena Cardone, um, just recently got to spend time with, um, uh, Glenn and Mindy Stearns. They both, uh, Glenn and Grant did the undercover billionaire and and I watched the both seasons, and I saw you know the in their roles as the undercover billionaire, whether it be you know uh, Glenn Stearns, Grant Cardone, um, Elaine, you know you saw these people, and they literally were driving their team super super hard for those ninety days. And then when you kind of get the commentary afterwards, I mean these people were sort of brought to tears at many times that were on these teams on Undercover Billionaire. But at the end, they were like, man, I'm so glad I went through that experience because it took them to a new level, it took them to a level they didn't even know they had in their persona. And so for me, you know, I didn't know I had those levels. I, I guess I, I, I knew I had it, but I didn't know how to bring it out. And so sometimes you need those really strong personas, maybe not forever, because I think there's a certain level of, you know, how much can you take? Because it is somewhat, it feels kind of abusive when you're in that, doing it at the time. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. But but once you're through it, you go, man, I've got a new level of resilience and ability to actually make things happen that I didn't have before I went through these experiences. So that, like I call it like the basic training of, of sort of getting things done. Dude, I, I love that. So I would imagine... And I, and I just wrote this down listening to you from it, what you're saying. I, I think I would imagine you rethink what you're capable of when you surround yourself with these people, right? You do. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and even like uh, I, I did judo for 27 years and, and, you know, you could go to certain clubs where judo was easy. You know, it's just, 
you know, you just kind of go through the emotions and you, you know, it's not a really tough sport and the coach really takes it easy on you, like, and, 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 and the people working out there. And, and then you go from there to a club where the, 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 everybody's competing to potentially, you know, compete nationally, internationally, get, make the Olympic team, et cetera. And it's a totally different level of effort. And if you're, if you're willing to step into where people are actually, com, you know, competing to compete at a really high level, it takes your game to a totally different level. And you don't even know that that game exists. You think, oh, judo's this, this thing where you throw people and you, you do some submissions, you pin people, whatever. And, and you wonder why you don't win at the tournaments. And then you go to another club where they're like, in there, they're doing the extra hour, two hours after practice, just practicing throws and cardio and everything else. And, and you see why they are, in fact, you know, winners that those clubs create winners because they take the practice to an entirely different level. That makes a lot of sense, man. So look, you're surrounding yourself with just different people over the last I would say like three years. It's just like evolving into a whole different world. I'm watching, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how are you thinking about now your future self? Like, how has that changed? What are you now looking at a year from now, two years from now and saying, hey, you know, I never have envisioned this. It is possible to achieve this. What are you thinking yeah, no, it's it's a great question, and, and it's actually something I was thinking about this morning because you know last week, as as you know, I was in in, in Cabo, so I was with you know a lot of people from different spaces. You got you got Grant and Elena Cardone, you got Glenn and Mindy Stearns, you got uh, Brandon Dawson and Natalie Workman. Those were just some of the folks that we were around. They're not real estate related typically. Yeah. These are people that are not from that space, but they've all achieved at high high levels, like exits of companies in the 150 200 million dollar range grants you know he has oh i i don't even know what it the, it's well over a billion dollars worth of real estate that he controls through through cardone capital and and then all the stuff he's doing he's got a couple of businesses doing 150 million dollars a year and and that's high profit it's not like real estate 150 million dollars in real estate volume <laughs> not a lot of commission there <laughs> so this is high 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 profit business and so it just expands even my sort of awareness of what the potentials are so you know it it so i'm being stretched even now to think about what's the bigger picture what's the bigger you know p possibilities that you know i can be playing in 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 a way that can again impact more people so for me you know i, I always think about you know impacting people but it's also cool to think about you know if you impact enough people sort of that zig ziglar quote in reverse you know, when you, you know, you can have anything you want in life if you just help enough other, other people get what they want. But what happens if you start with the other, the, the other side of the equation, which just help people get what they want and just imagine what potentially could be the outcome that comes from that. So, you know, I don't really have, you know, these like big goals to have, you know, mansions, private planes, all this stuff. I mean, I'm, I, I sort of am getting them almost by default because I really am all about building something that helps people and and then there's the financial benefits that come from it and so thinking of you know just talking to you know people that are bigger thinkers and have done bigger things it just goes man am i thinking big enough you know how do i because you know yeah. it's really about you know if i'm not thinking big enough how many people am i hurting is and it's a crazy way to think about it but you know because you know you think about we've got fifty three thousand plus agents you know now in exp and and so 
we're going to be, you know, 100,000 a year or so. We'll be, you know, maybe 200,000 in, in, in three years. We maybe be, you know, 300,000 or more in five years. You think about just that that size of a, of an enterprise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so it really like, I'll be shortchanging all 300,000 people and those with, you know, the success enterprises and some of the other businesses that I'm involved in, I'll be shortchanging those businesses. If I don't think bigger, not, not for me personally, but for all the people that are in those businesses, whether they be a agent, broker, employee, staff member, or customer. That's true, man. I love that answer. So look, Going back to relationships, because I think this encompasses who you are at the core. Like when we first met, the very first thing I remember is like, damn, this guy's one of the nicest guys I've met. It's like you're, you're like super sincerely kind. Well, I would say this the exact same thing about you. So I think, you know, you're, you, you attract your tribe because I think you and I, you know, we got along, you know, famously day one. Um, and we always were, you know, you know we're always you know, including each other in different conversations and have various conversations and, and, and get togethers and, and that type of thing. Uh, but, but you're right. You know, the relationship side, I would say business is a conduit to relationships. So, so, so if you think about it, you know, most people think that relationships is a conduit to, to money or, or to, you know, so, you know, you gotta, you gotta get into relationships to go make money. Well, that's kind of bass backwards. You know, um, it's really should be that business you know, whether it be in your real estate career or your or your insurance career or your 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 building uh, in you know the company that you're in for whatever reason, this these are all about conduits to relationships, and and those relationships ultimately can last a long time in your life. One of my mentors, Jerry Salberg, at one time said that the most impactful relationships that you'll have in life will be your business relationships. And, and, and the, you know, outside, outside of your, your spouse or significant other, generally speaking, um, you're going to spend way more time with the people you work with and, and you're going to come together with them, spend a lot of time with them. So, you know, you want to have great relationships, but you also want to create great relationships. So, you know, so it's, you know, creating great relationships with the people that you are around will foster, you know, uh, better, better relationships, which means you know, at the other end of the spectrum, that you're going to have better business relationships. So, you know, business and, and relationships all sort of co-mingle and then thinking about, you know, what's your bigger purpose? Like, you know, yeah. is is your bigger purpose, um, you know, and, and I talk to people and, I, you know, I even talk to people who are successful where their focus is money and I don't like to be around those people. Like I, I don't, you know, so, but I like to be around people who want to make an impact and and if money is a is a is a byproduct of that, and it can be even an important byproduct of that, that's okay. But if money is the byproduct that the, the product that they're going for, I don't I don't like to be around them. Dude, I, I uh, that's why we get along. By the way, it's so funny. That's <laughs> so funny. So I was thinking about this interview over the weekend because I was preparing some questions, and I thought, you know, you've created this organization. That, that other people can financially grow with. And, and I don't think that that has been done at the level you're doing it and and where it's going. Because the, the impressive thing, Glenn, is that now you're attracting people that are outside of real estate 
that you and I just have never talked to growing in this sphere. And that's impressive because that means you're doing something that other people outside of this world are noticing. And that means it's got legs to grow even more than I would assume you originally thought. Absolutely. You know, and I think 2012, 2013, there may still be a video out on YouTube, you know, on the real estate side, you know, we thought that we might eventually get to 50,000 agents. So that was the number we sort of put out there as, you know, that would be a home run. And in 2012, I think it was a, it was a very ambitious, lofty goal. Of course, we're now, you know, nine years later, eight years later, we're, we're now over 50,000 agents. So it's, uh, it's now, you know, now that, you know, there's, there's different, different goals that go along with it, but it all comes down to this whole idea that, and I've used this phrase often, which is we want the value proposition of EXP to be so good that it'd be irresponsible for, for agents to hang their license anywhere else. And, and, um, some people have in, inserted the, the, the word financially, um, uh, irresponsible, but I actually don't like putting the word financially because, you know, EXP really represents a basket of goods, you know, financial is one, you know, equity, those types of things, but also collaboration, community, you know, how we all build relationships together. I mean, we just did a big, big event in Cabo and certainly many of the people there were there because they financially could afford it. But that was the, the, the relationship piece that really pulled everybody together. So, you know, who wouldn't have wanted to be there had they had, they had the money to be able to do it and they were aligned with that tribe. So money is an important piece because, you know, you can't do things without money, but there's a whole basket of goods around what's important. Purpose of a business, great phrase I got from Don Hobbs years ago, the purpose of a business is to serve the needs of the owner. And a lot of times the needs of the owner are, uh, you know, is not about profit or financial. It might be about impact. It might be about charity. It might be about giving back. It might be about time with their their family or 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 loved ones or or friends, what have you. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff over and beyond just the the idea of financial. Financial is an important piece because a lot of times it's the grease that need that you need to ultimately do these other things. But it shouldn't be the it shouldn't be the thing you're going after primarily. All right. Well said, man. I like that. And then that that refocuses on your original statement that you said too. It's not about the money, right? It's not, not about the money. It's about it's a it's it's about helping other people get what they want. Um, you know, one thing I've you know, it's funny, um, even even pre-EXP, I, I ran a large real estate team and we did a lot of really cool SEO, lead gen, lead generation, lead conversion. Uh, pieces. And I kept on getting team members, uh, you know, who would naturally say, quit telling people what we do. And, and cause they wanted to sort of protect it. I'm like, I'm, I, and I, I'm always going, do you want to be the source of the information or do you want to be somebody who sort of keeps it secret and nobody knows who you are? And so I've always been one to sort of just share, share the secret sauce with whoever wants to learn about whatever. So like, I don't, you know, I don't right now. I mean, I may because the the team's saying, "Hey, you're getting lots of speaker requests. We should start charging for it." But I literally, if somebody asks me to come speak at their event and I can fit it in my schedule on my own dime, I'll get on a plane, I'll fly to their event, I'll speak at their event, I'll I'll add value to their event, and I'll fly home all at no cost to the to to the person who typically asks me to come speak. And it's not because. Um, of anything else other than, you know, I like to add value. And if somebody asks me if, uh, for my, my help in some capacity and I can, I can add value, 
I just help. That's just who I am. Um, and, and certainly, you know, the only limiter really is time. But, you know, ironically, I don't get asked as much as you might think. Uh, and, and, you know, but there's, a, you know, some I turn down just because it conflicts with some stuff that I'm doing outside of um, your know, work and whatever. But uh, for the most part, if people ask me, you know, if they ask me to do, you know, any number of different things, it's literally comes down to how can I add value? And if somebody asks, I'm going to show up and help. That's awesome, man. Very, very cool. All right. So around the relationship question, how do you how do you take care of those people that are most important to you so that they don't fall off as you continue to grow? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, one one thing, you know, as you become more successful, there are there are many people who do not grow at the same rate you do. And and so you're, you're there will be relationships that change over time. You know, so you know, it's you know, even though they may be important to, to you. And like I, I think about my my best friend in, in college, you know, I've tried to stay in touch with him and stayed tried to stay, you know, in engaged. And he sort of just dropped me off his, his, his radar. And, you know, it really which kind of bugged me because I was like, we were like best friends. We were super tight. And, um, and, and so, you know, sometimes things turn over just because, you know, two people to some extent need to be in agreement that they're going to be in a relationship, even though some people say it only takes one and, and they just need to be persistent as hell. Of course, they're salespeople, right? <laughs> and, and then, uh, um, but, uh, you know, the, the, but you do, you know, there's some people who don't want to grow, some people who it's more important for them to, to, to do their, their thing that isn't in alignment. But then there's other people who, man, they're like, they're kindred spirits. And so they, you build new relationships and some you pull all the way through, obviously, you know, family, most family, you, you, you pull through and sometimes you have to even, you know, uh, you know, sort of cease relationships with certain family members because they're, you know, even though they're family, um, you, you have to sort of say, Hey, are, is this good for, for me? And is it good for them? Because, you know, I may be super judgmental in a, in a way where it's like, why aren't you stepping up? Why aren't you living out your purpose? And, and that, you know, eventually is not actually good for them. If they're not, if that's not what they want to do, then it probably doesn't make sense for me to sit there and keep on you know, telling them that they've got more more potential than than they're they're demonstrating in the world very true man very true all right so you're growing your company's growing why purchase success magazine um so there was a phrase that i heard years ago it was uh i think it was it was either at a t harv eckerd millionaire mind intensive or it was a um at Sci seminars, basic or something. So I did a lot, some of those personal development workshops, and and the phrase that I heard, I think it was, I think it was at um, at Millionaire Mind Intensive, is that opportunities are never missed; they're simply given to somebody else. And and so um, I did not even know that Success Magazine was for sale. Um, you know, I, I, you know, in, in building relationships, I, I built a relationship with, uh, Stuart Johnson, um, who was the previous owner of success magazine. And so he and I would, would have various conversations. We, we ended up, um, uh, spending a little time together in, uh, uh August, September. And, and uh, uh, we talked about how success magazine could be used with the XP. So he, um, at the end of that 
few days, he said, hey, an opportunity just came up where somebody was going to buy the magazine. Their, their offer fell through. I can talk about it. Uh, the potential of somebody else buying it. Would you like to buy it? I'm like, well, I have no clue. It was even for sale. I'm like, wow, thank you for thinking of me. And and so I literally went and and uh, um, went to the board, quickly said, hey, there's an opportunity to buy Success Magazine. It was a very half-baked idea for me. And with, you know, four or five days in, um, somebody else to come back to the table, you know, re-solidified their deal with Success Magazine. And so it was not no longer available. But I went through the mental gymnastics for the next, you know, week or so, just saying, what if, and this type of thing, whatever. And that was on the Saturday morning, I think it was um, early October, first Saturday in October, I'm talking to a gentleman, Brent Gove, and you probably know Brent. He's, he's, he's the, you know, he's a monster in EXP Realty. He actually did the Cabo event. So I was talking to Brent Gove on the phone and I just said to him, hey, Brent, you know, in, in a year or two, you're probably going to be on the cover of Success Magazine and you're just knocking out of the park. You're just, you know, killing it. And, um, and, and then I got a, uh, a call from Stuart Johnson. So I, I sent it to voicemail and then he said, text me, Hey, call, call me. Um, and, and so about 30 minutes later, I called him. He says, Hey, would you like to buy success magazine again? And so I said, okay, Stuart, don't, you know, look, I, I'll put this deal together. Um, I, I didn't know that this opportunity was going to show up again. However, I, you know, I wired him like $500,000 on Monday, non-refundable without a full agreement. Like we didn't even really have an agreement in place. Um, even though you and I know that, you know, it probably was refundable, but I told, I just said, Hey, I'm going to do this non-refundable, you know, $500,000, just, you're going to sell it to me. Let's get this thing done. And, and then, and then ultimately, you know, EXP world holdings ended up owning it, but that's how it all came together. And I still didn't even know what I was going to do with it when I bought it. I just knew that, that foundationally personal personal development is what every salesperson is involved in in fact i i say that you know real estate or exp realty but you can say it about any real estate company that um, uh, that real estate companies exp realty is a personal development company that just happens to monetize personal development through the sale of real estate and so so you think about the the idea that we're all building ourselves as human beings and the more effective we become and most of that's done through some sort of personal development doesn't even have to be under the title of personal development but anytime you're training being mentored learning skills whatever that's all personal development so personal you know so real estate is a is a business where it's a personal development business that we monetize through the sale of real estate so when i think about that we've been mailing the magazine out to our exp agents for two and a half years now um, every issue. Oh, wow. So we became the largest single customer success magazine. So that's the other reason why we bought it because, you know, we were the biggest customer uh, of the magazine. And then, and then you sort of take it one step further and we're going, you know, what could we do with success magazine, you know, connected to a real estate brokerage, not in any, any way where it changes fundamentally, mm -hmm. but what could it do to help us to attract and retain agents and brokers, you know, the longest running personal development brand in the history of real estate or personal development. Yeah. So. 18. Dude, I was surprised. I, w I went to Wikipedia to like 18, late 1800s. I was like, what? No way. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm sitting there going, okay, how the heck did this show up in my universe? Like, <laughs> like you sit there and you, you kind of go, this is, you know, there's a lot of really cool weird things that have happened to me, like in really positive things. And I, I look at it and go, okay, 
which part of this did I create and which part of this, you know, was, was just by happenstance and accident and, you know, how much of this, you know, and so you started to go through the mental gymnastics of, of, you know, how did this all come about? And, and I do know that, you know, a lot of this has to do with, it comes down first to attitude. You know, none of this would have shown up, uh, whether it be my business or whatever, had I not been a positive person, hardworking, have built great relationships, include other people in, in the businesses and the things that I'm involved in, um, you know, success magazine wouldn't have shown up because quite frankly, I wouldn't have been successful. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true, man. So you're mentioning attitude, you're mentioning being really inclusive. So how do you, how do you think building these relationships over the, the last few years of EXP really have helped with other people's attitude and inclusiveness? Because I think for, for some people looking in, when they're solopreneurs, entrepreneurs that are listening to this, sometimes they think that they can do this all on their own or that once you reach the top, you're like really hardcore and you're, you push away people, you try to just delegate everything out and you're the boss, you tell people what to do. But it's almost like I'm watching you and it's a complete different aspect to this. It's like reverse. It's like you bring people in, you ask for advice and you grow with them and you make them feel like they're part of the journey. Yeah. You know, I'm just, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to come up with some of the ideas that we're, were that were, you know, that, that sort of got us into the game. Um, but you know, the, we're a very different organization. You've been around it enough to, 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 to know that we, we operate differently. We, we don't do things the same way. We're, very, we're, we're not top down in a traditional sense. There's a little top down. I don't think you can totally get away from it, but we're very much around, you know, empowering the network to actually do things. The event we just did this last weekend, it was not an EXP event. Now you might go, no, it was an EXP event. No, it wasn't. It was an agent event. Brent Gove built that whole thing. He actually invited the, the executives to show up and we were, you know, we were honored to be included in his event. That was something he did with agents and, and brokers and he brought in speakers and this and that uh, of his own accord. And, uh, and so I got asked to, to, to show up. And so I showed up and, uh, but he was going to do it anyway. And we were totally supportive of that. There's a lot of companies and, and we, a lot of leaders who don't like the idea of you know, agents and brokers building their own own events out in the field because it, they lose control and that it's a liability and it's risky and a whole bunch of other stuff. I've talked to them. We've had people who have been a part of the team that that's, that was their MO and they sort of tried to wrest all the control back to sort of corporate and I didn't quite understand it. And eventually it broke down and they left and now they're at other companies, which is great. I'm happy about that. <laughs> but the reality is, is that I've always been around how do we empower? What's the new economy? If you think about, you know, Google, Twitter, Facebook, um, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of modern companies, they they operate with a totally different playbook, which is about emerging great ideas from where, wherever great ideas come from. So it's not just from the CEO or the CTO or the C CIO. It's around, you know, people in the organization building stuff within and then and the platforms and we can call them the platforms actually support these businesses emerging on those platforms. So you can think about all the businesses, think about all the businesses that Facebook has created as a platform. 
think about all the opportunities that have been created because Google exists and and you can, you know, all this stuff. So these are platforms. And so, you know, platforms support, encourage, and amplify great ideas. That's that's certainly the case here, man. I love yeah. that. So I'm looking at your screen and I'm looking on your left side. There's a Donkey Kong on your <laughs> left side on the fireplace mantle. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> you're you're gonna get in trouble for this. Oh crap! <laughs> okay, <shoot. laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. This is gonna be funny. Um, so so early 2019, uh, I think it was January, or no, it, it was no, it was uh, yeah, it was early, yeah, early 2019. Um, there, were, Gary Keller uh, was meeting with a group of agents and and team leaders and OPs, uh, and they were talking. Somebody asked about Verbella, uh, and 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 Gary Keller was rumored to have wanted to buy it. In fact, he said, uh, you know, uh, that he he said he didn't really want to buy it, but he was wanting to bid the price up, and he called our our virtual world an animal farm, and that it was like it was like Donkey Kong and Pac Man. And, and so, uh, so I think I tweeted something out. It's really cool when somebody, you know, when a competitor calls your, 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 uh, enabling technology Donkey Kong. And so then it was like, it's on like Donkey Kong. And so, so, mm-hmm. so then we all, you know, a bunch of us wore t-shirts and it's like, it was like an amazing gift from a marketing perspective to have, you know, that. the preeminent leader in residential real estate call this little company with, you know, maybe 12,000 agents, maybe 10,000 agents, you know, our technology, Donkey Kong technology. I love that, man. I love that a lot. That's so cool. All right. Good story. I like that. It's uh, it brings fire to the belly. So it keeps pushing you. So look on that note, what, what keeps you going? Like, how do you feed your mind? How do you keep on looking for what's next? How do I improve? What's that continual push and motivation internally? Yeah, it's um, one, you know, like, like I mentioned, it's, and for me, it's never been about the money. And so, you know, the, 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 which the cool thing is, is that, you know, now I've, you know, certainly financially done better than, you know, um, most in, in the industry from a financial perspective, but it's always been around, you know, how do we build something better for, for agents, brokers and staff. And so we, like I think about things like net promoter score, which you know sounds pretty pretty nerdy, um, but you know net promoter score is, and you can read the book, The Ultimate Question 2.0, or uh, one of my favorite books, The Leader's Guide to Radical Management, and it talks about how organizations can build around a score, uh, a survey score like the net promoter score, to actually empower teams to actually go and create new ideas to actually serve the customer. So, the, so we're you know the the um, um, customers where customers used to go around the organizations. Um, so you think about here's the organization at the center and then around that would be the customers. Well, mm-hmm. the modern organizations, the customers at the center and now the company's circling the, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the cir- circling the customer and adding value. So it's looking at all the different angles from an, from a customer perspective to actually improve the customer experience. And so it's almost like, and I heard Stephen Denning talk about this, where, where it's almost like uh, Copernicus when he said, you know, it's great that everybody thinks the sun revolves around the earth, but it actually it actually makes more sense from a cosmological standpoint to actually look at the idea that the earth actually goes circles the sun. 
and and think about you know most companies the companies circle or the the businesses are set up where the customers circle the companies uh, meaning that they're going how do I how do I sell more customers how do I do this how do I do that they're trying to sell a customer on a product or service rather than trying to surround the customer with products and services and and so um, and and so that different paradigm shift um, you know when we think about how do we serve the customer we really are thinking about not how do we generate a customer but more how do we serve customers and so it's a different different paradigm and with that comes lots of great ways to organize and for me even to think about entrepreneurial wise how to add value to that customer base so that's what keeps me going so I'm all, like I geek out on how do we how do we find better CRM tools for 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 our agents and brokers? How do we how do we um, you know create opportunities to be around interesting people? How do we you know make sure that they've got you know they're 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 getting an unfair share in the marketplace? So me you know that's that's what I keep on thinking about, and it's less about agent count, even though our agent count's going nuts, yes. uh, but it's but it's more about you know how do we continue to add value to those agents because it's if you if you build it the right way agents will show up we don't have to recruit agents agents will show up because we're the value that we're adding to them is just so much better that's very true man all right so i got that now how do you have your day set up so that you're optimizing it so that you continue to grow because what i've noticed is as you continue to grow to new levels People people come in and they want to take a piece of your time. This person comes in, they want this. This person comes in. And you sometimes start losing the time that you originally had to create and grow and continue to propel yourself forward. How do you keep that time sacred? And how do you continue to push forward more focused? Great, great question. Um, it gets tougher. You know, the reality is, is that, you know, there it's still only the same number of of hours and minutes in the day for me as there is for you and you think about you know for anybody you know you've got if you got 50 3000 people you know 1100 plus staff you think about all of that and you want to be available to them you have to think about you know how do you use technology how do you how do you how do you organize in your email and how do you manage your instant messengers and your social media and all the other stuff literally i i set up an instagram account um, you know, during the clubhouse days. And, and so from that, uh, I really was trying to figure out how to, um, to communicate with some, some, some different people. Literally my Instagram blew up so much that I wasn't a actually able to actually, um, keep up with the people that were trying to, you know, reach out to me, DM me, whatever. And I literally gave up within like three or four days. Like, like, it's like, I couldn't even deal with the inbound. So, so I have to basically have, you know, staff now that actually sort of starts to manage a, a lot of that. And I'm, you know, I'm actually seeing how I can't even really get into my email and manage my email and sort of process the, the email. And, and so, um, for me to actually have the, the time and the space, I'm, I'm actually needing to have, you know, people sort of manage more of the stuff that I'm used to managing and which was at some level, the way I actually built uh, all my businesses because I'm so hands-on. And so it's a different, it, you know, I'm having to develop new muscle memory around how to allow other people to do the things that I felt were pretty critical, you know, to get to where I'm at now. 
in order for me to go to the next level. So, you know, so that's, those are just things that I'm sort of juggling in real time to try to create the space so I can you know, have great conversations, uh, brainstorm, mastermind, and, and do other, other stuff. What have you found to be the hardest thing to let go of so somebody else can do for you? Yeah, probably, probably like just even my instant messaging, like even like, like right now I'm seeing like I've got so many inbounds, even in our corporate uh, internet. So we use Workplace by Facebook to, you know, and so every agent in the company can reach out to me. And, and I've told every agent in the company that they can reach out to me. So that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so because 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 i've literally have like right now i think i have like 30 or 40 messages that have come in that i haven't even had time to to answer i've answered a bunch of them and i'm trying to sort of triage even myself in in my instant messenger inbox so you know that's the one that i need to i need to have somebody sort of be almost my assistant in even just managing my own instant messenger and almost set up another like like covert account that only a couple people know of to send me the important stuff. Got it. All right. I like that. I like that. So more on that because I think it really helps. It really helps with growth. And that's, do you have time set aside to just think or create? I do. Yeah. I actually have more, you know, in the, one of the things that, because I'm working on bigger projects, it does it does allow me to to recognize the difference between high value activities and low value activities. And so when I when I when I even even though there's a bunch of people I haven't responded to, whether it be on the social channels or whatever, I've I've recognized that you know most of that are most of those responses are low value activities. Those would be in the sort of category that Stephen Covey would call would be quadrant one, urgent and well. Well, actually, it'd be quadrant three. It'd be urgent and not important. So, or but some of it's urgent and important, but a lot of it's urgent and not important. So, somebody says, "Hey, I need help with this." It's like, okay, well, that's great, but it wasn't important. So, so figuring out which what's truly quadrant two activities, and then just making sure that my calendar really time blocks for that. So, like right now, one of my most and I just saw uh, John Chaplick uh, post this a couple of days ago, and I thought it was just awesome which is that the, the number one um, business skill or business leverage activity that you need to work on is your health. Yeah. So, so, you know, so, you know, getting your workouts in, you know, getting to the gym, um, you know, doing whatever it is that keeps you healthy is their number one business leverage, uh, you know, activity that you can do. And yet how many people, you know, make that number two or number three as opposed to number one. And and a lot of times they don't get to number two or number three for the day because whatever they put in the number one category ultimately crowded out number two and number three activities. And so they're, you know, they, they don't eat mm-hmm. great. Their health is, is starting to fail on them. And then they get to whatever, I'm 54, but they get into their, you know, their 50s, maybe they're, maybe there's the their sixties, but in some place their their health starts to give way, and they've got you know all this other stuff that goes along with that. And so you think about your your health is actually your number one business activity that you should be working on, whether it be business relationships, whatever, and then everything else should be almost number two to your to your health. Now, you know you can only spend. Fortunately, you can only spend about you know maybe 
an hour or two. And if you're a true glutton for punishment, you can spend three hours a day working on your health. So yeah. there's only so many hours a day you can work on it. But, you know, by working on it, you know, at least, you know, an hour a day or, or whatever, that's going to make a huge difference. And prioritizing that is super, super key to, to sort of thinking about the priorities that you make in your day. All right. So how do you add that into your day, like your specific day? Um, yeah. So it's pretty cool. There's a, uh, I don't know if you've seen on uh, Google Calendar when you install it on your phone. Yeah. And, and you can actually go and it'll say, you can add a, a goal and it, it'll actually say how many. And so I put my runs in on um, my workouts on it. And mm. then it says, how many times a week do you want to do it? And then do you, when do you want to do it? And it literally you find in your calendar and it will preset your uh, preset your calendar with your with your runs and your or your exercise or whatever. So that's actually the way I do it. And and then um, and then every once in a while, something will will override where I have the run that shows up on my calendar. But in which case, I'll drag the run to somewhere else and then I'll do do the other other thing then. But for the most part, that's that's my that's been my hack lately. And that's a really cool oh, hack that that Google Calendar has that allows you to actually take your goals and it'll actually preset and figure out where you do your runs and it will actually adjust using AI to create optimal times based on how you uh, how you modify your calendar. Dude, I really like that. That's a really good hack. All right. So health. What about what about working on on your emotions? Because you know, at such a high level, we get to see people, even even successful people, financially successful people, just be terrible at managing their emotions. And I I, I got to say, it's probably up there, very close to health, right? Because that can destroy your world fast. How do you how do you maintain that that level of of calmness? How do you work? on your emotional intelligence daily or weekly? Yeah, so um, I've been really big into um, quasi-meditative practices for pro probably since the 90s. And, and then I've done a lot of just general personal development work uh, over the years. And so that's been really, th those things have been really helpful. I think, um, you know, coming up raised in a uh, a Christian uh, background, um, and and I you know whether it be Christian or you know it could be any any spiritual practice, um, almost every spiritual practice and thought system, you know, talks about the idea that you know if your mind's in the right place, things will happen in in a way that you know you know benefits you or God's people or what have you, and so. Fortunately, I you know was raised that way, um, and and so I always believe quite fundamentally that the universe conspires in my favor. That's actually a phrase I've used literally since probably the '80s, and and um, uh, and you know I had lots of debates. My dad was a minister. We had lots of this debates about you know God, why am I here? Why are we here? All that stuff. I don't know if we'll ever figure it out, but you know we've got some. We got some interesting guideposts that we have from the Bible, or the, you know, or whatever, whatever uh, teachings that people uh, you know subscribe to, um, and and it all comes down to this 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 idea that you know um, uh, God takes care of people who think good thoughts about other people, and and so you know, so anytime you get frustrated with somebody else, 
you know, when you know, when you really think about it, you're actually hurting yourself. You're not hurting the other person. You know, you're you're. you're and so once you sort of understand that, you go, well, why did I why did I get frustrated with that person? What is it that I that I'm doing that actually created that? Where did I drop the ball? Um, and 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 so you know, I've been emotional as 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 you know as can be. I mean, I've I've cried about all kinds of stuff. You know, business relationship, whatever. I've, I've been mad. I've got pissed off. I've, you know, I've done a whole bunch of stuff. I can, um, you know, I've even had to, you know, uh, use the legal system to to go after people and what have you, which, you know, I, that's like almost like the worst thing, in my opinion, that one can do um, just as, you know, because it, it shows, you know, that there's, you know, like I, I actually I have only done it a few times. I actually only did it because other people were affected. I was actually willing to walk away from whatever it was, but there were other people that, that needed me to sort of stand up for them. And so that's where the legal system came in when I was dealing with stuff. So, and you can, and you probably relate to this in the real estate industry. I was generating a lot of leads and, and uh, we'd have agents that would leave the team and they would take some leads with them. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just called that breakage. But, you know, when there were other people like on our team that were involved with those leads or the deals, and then I needed to sort of, you know, go after other people. But it, it really was distracting. So I, I think a lot of the emotional stuff that we get, you know, from an ego perspective that we, we go after um, that creates a lot of negative energy in us. You know, if we could just let go, and allow and let go, a lot of times it'd actually be healthier and actually create better outcomes than actually fighting with people. And so emotionally, I think fighting actually hurts our businesses. It hurts, it certainly, you know, hurts the relationships that you have with other people. And as a result, um, you know, I think that, you know, there's a health component and everything else that goes along with it. So I tried not to fight, um, but we're in competitive industry. So there is a level of competition yeah. that also exists. And so that you could call that uh, an you know, alternative way of, of sort of fighting. And there's obviously, I like to win. Like most people like to win. I, I do think about business as somewhat from a game perspective. I, I think that it is, you know, it is a game in, in some respects, but I think the goalposts or the way we score goals is how do we, you know, impact people in a positive way. So how many people have we impacted in a positive way, I think is the, is the impact. And, uh, but how do we get there? And then how do we keep our emotions in check? I think it takes a long time to to get into a good place because we struggled. I mean, I'm sure you did as well. When you got into real estate, real estate was probably a hell of a struggle. I mean, you probably busted your 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 ass. You probably were going, "How's this thing work?" You, yeah. you know, you, you're you're you know, and and that can be really frustrating when it's you're you're the primary breadwinner in the home, or or, or you know, which I was, um, and then trying to you know make ends meet. Um, in the early days of real estate, that can be pretty stressful when you're not sure how you're going to make the mortgage payment or the rent payment or the whatever, or the car payments or that type of stuff. But eventually you get beyond that and then, then things level out a bit. Um, one of the first things I would say, especially for a solo entrepreneur or entrepreneur, is make sure you put yourself on salary. You know, a lot of people live commission check to commission check. And, and as a result, they never are able to put away enough money to actually create a safety net for themselves. So, you know, the very first thing that I would say to anybody is figure out a way to put yourself on salary, live below your live below your income and start to actually build a nest egg through a PL that you run with your business. And once you start to actually build some cushion inside your business, 
guess what? Your stress level will drop in your body because you know you've got some some runway and and yet most people won't do that. I I would say that, you know, 75, 80, 85% of of um, of sales professionals that work in a commission only business don't um don't put themselves on salary. They literally live commission check to make a commission check. So that'd be at least one little hack to uh to get a little less emotional. I like that, dude. And probably hire someone to help you out with your PL as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not uh, yeah, I mean, eventually you're gonna need to create lots of leverage in your in your business. And eventually that leverage will create the ability to be softer spoken, more relaxed. Like right now, anybody can deal with me and I'm gonna be pretty relaxed with them because I got cushion till the cows come home. So, <laughs> you know, but that's through leverage. I mean, there's, we now have 1100 staff and, 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 and that's a lot of leverage. And so, you know, for me, I get to work on the stuff that I like to work on, have the conversations with the people I want to have conversations with. And so my stress level is pretty low compared to people who have to do everything. Mm, interesting, dude. Well, your, your stress level may have been high before, but on the outside, it always looked like you were pretty smooth, calm, collected. So that, uh, that takes talent too, man. That's a, that's a lot of talent right there. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, it, it was it definitely, there's definitely something to that. I mean, remember the early days that I was always positive. You know, I, I remember answering the phone when I was in college. I, uh, even if I, somebody woke me up from the middle of my sleep, I would wake myself and, and sort of go, and and do I'm excited I'm excited I'm excited I'd sort of do that like before I answer the phone go hi this is Glenn Sanford <laughs> <laughs> you're hacking your own mind you're like you're gonna you're gonna be happy Glenn you're gonna I'm gonna be happy there you go that's so funny man all right last question we'll end it here what what's got you the most most excited like just in the next few months like you just. You wake up and you keep on thinking of it. You're like, wow, this is a, this is amazing. I'm excited about this. What is that? Yeah. You know, just, I think the more than anything, it's just the, just new relationships that, that, uh, that I've started to get in. Um, you know, Clubhouse has been a really cool app, met a lot of really interesting people from Clubhouse. So, so mm -hmm. building relationships with a number of people that I've, that I've met there that I normally wouldn't have had associations with. And, and so, um, it's kind of fun, you know, meeting some of these people around, around the country. Um, I'm excited about <laughs> the lockdown really kind of relaxing pretty, pretty substantially. So I think California, you guys are getting ready to go completely non lockdown, right? Are you already there? Yeah, we're going, we're going all in, man. You're going all in. So, you know, I think the, the idea of just getting, you know, more around people, even if I have to carry a mask around with me, that's okay. I don't, that, that's not that big a deal. I'd rather be around people with a mask than not be around people. So, so for, for me, I think being just around more people and getting back to normal, I think that's what I'm most excited about getting back to normal. I love that, man. Well, dude, thank you for being on. It was great. I thought we'd take a, a different twist to this interview talking about what we talked about it was fun. I loved your story and that mantelpiece in the back. I love that too. Thank you for that. <laughs> hey, you're going to hear about this one for probably the next couple of weeks once this goes live. So that's very funny. <laughs> that's very true. Thanks, Glenn. Appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks, Tristan. Chat soon. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. 
Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.